Bolkart tries to take on Thor. Bad move. Everybody, welcome back to Witch Fix. Today we're diving into a film that has been on my shelf for a while. I have kind of a collection of these, I'm going to call them fantasy action movies, uh, and this is one of them, which I've been neglecting. I tend to lean more towards the horror films, the more obscure titles, because it te tends to be that I haven't seen them before, and that I find them more interesting to review, but I've been neglecting this side of things ever since we did The Last Witch Hunter, and so I felt the need to to have another look-see in that pile, and what I have extracted from it is a very battered copy of Snow White and the Huntsman, a movie that came out in 2012, I believe, 2010, 2012, around that time, and which was, I'm gonna say, not well received, although, to be honest, looking back, it's probably one of the better live-action fairy tale movies that have come out since, because it's not a Disney one, and we'll get into that in a second. One of the reasons this movie wasn't that well-loved is because it starred Christian Stewart, and not many people kind of rated her as an actress at that point. I feel like a lot of people were annoyed about Twilight, and they sort of wrote this off as, oh, it's that girl from Twilight. And... To be fair to her, I feel like her performance in this movie is hampered enormously by the fact that they don't give her anything to say. Like, I counted. I, I, I actually checked. And the first time that she has meaningful dialogue, which isn't just kind of like the odd whisper here and there in, in the midst of a sort of fight or um, an altercation of some kind, the, the, when she actually gets to have a conversation, it's 39 minutes into the movie when they actually give her someone to fucking talk to. The rest of the time, she just has to kind of run around reacting to stuff, which may or may not be real. So I feel like she's done a disservice when people say that she does a bad job uh, of acting in this film specifically, because, I mean, there's only so many ways that you can look in terror at something. And I feel like they made her use all of them because she wasn't allowed to speak for 40 minutes. With that out of the way, I didn't take so many detailed plot notes because we all know the story of Snow White, but I am going to jump in with stuff where it's relevant. And we're not really here for Snow White, we are here for the witch in the story, uh, Ravenna, portrayed by Charlize Theron, who I think every moment she's not on screen is just a moment wasted because she's the reason I love this movie. Uh, now I said already that I feel like this is a better movie than a lot of the Disney adaptations. I feel like there was a trend in the sort of 2010s that a lot of these fantasy action movies came out based on kind of fairy tale stuff, the Brothers Grimm, Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, this movie and its sequel. And they were a little bit silly, a little bit kind of funny, a lot of leather pants and steampunk crossbows. But at least it wasn't a scene-for-scene -scene recreation of something that you already knew and loved in CGI that looks dated within six months and versions of songs that don't sound the way that you think they should and are therefore less enjoyable than you remember. So, you know, thanks to, I guess, Universal is the people who made this for not just 
scene for scene recreating Snow White, the Disney film, which obviously they couldn't have done anyway due to, you know, licensing. So this movie is kind of an action movie, but mostly not, based on the Snow White story. And it begins with some narration by Chris Hemsworth, who plays the Huntsman in the movie, um, who doesn't show up for the longest time. Aside from this narration, we don't see him for ages. Uh, but, but we get some narration. I'm going to trigger warn as I describe sort of the, the differences to the plot to the traditional story of Snow White uh, for mentions of sexual assault and uh, rape as well. So we learn the, the origin story of Snow White, you know, the woman pricks her finger and she's like, oh, I wish I had a child as white as snow and red as blood, because that's a normal thing that you would wish for. And then she has Snow White and then she dies, which is sad. And we learn that her daughter is a rare beauty in terms of you know, being a good person, which isn't hugely evidence in the, in the childhood scenes of Snow White. She does rescue a bird, but it's unclear if that bird was even that hurt. She, she just brings it home. There we go. We then get some new parts to the myth. So the king, devastated by his wife's death, uh, is then beset by a mysterious dark army and he has to go to war to fight them. These are like very samey looking knights who are quite scary in the fact that they all look the same. And they smash apart like mirror shards, which is kind of cool, I guess. He defeats the army and then in a sort of cart on the battlefield, he finds a woman, uh, Charlize Theron, who has been apparently captured by them and he is so enamoured with her beauty upon meeting her that he marries her the next fucking day and therefore, in my opinion, deserves everything he gets, which is a knife to the sternum. <laughs> um, basically, he, he takes Charlie's Theron home, they tar her up a little bit for the wedding. She does appear, even at that stage, to be quite jealous of Snow White. She realises during like the bridal procession that everyone is looking at Snow White behind her and not at her the bride which to be honest i'll be mad about if, if if that was me but she then gives the king a little bit of a speech on their wedding night about how she was previously um ruined by a king who replaced his aged wife with her and then she knew that she too would be replaced and that this is what men do they use women and then they throw them to the dogs and then she stabs him and invites her brother into the castle with her real army to, to take possession of it. So it's not quite a bloodless coup because they did kill a lot of people, but it is quite a cleverly executed one, pun intended. One of the things I think they do really well in terms of the appearance of Ravenna and Snow White is that obviously they're both actresses, they're both quite good looking. Um, Charlize Theron, enormously beautiful. Um, but the way in which they're costumed as well, it kind of adds all this extra ornamentation onto Ravenna and kind of gilds her as this sort of living gold idol. Whereas Snow White is very like unmade up. She's wearing rags for most of the movie. Uh, and a lot of her like beauty comes from her purity, her youth, um, and just the kind of un spoilt ungilded appearance of her like she looks quite plain she looks not vain in the same way that Ravenna uh, has ornamented herself in like every scene with like bits of gold dripping off of her like she's in the J'adore advert again so that's quite interesting and I, I quite appreciated that 
And Ravenna's costumes in general just look cool and generally involve a lot of gold, iron or raven skulls, which is a look. We flash forward a ways to, you know, the reign of the evil queen, Snow White is locked up in the tallest tower. Shit's going down. And then a girl gets brought in who is surely going to have her youth drained away by Ravenna, who eats people's youth to, to stay looking young and being powerful. And this girl talks to Snow White, who seems to have no idea of anything that has happened since the kingdom was taken over, like at least 10 years ago. Which is weird, because if they've locked this girl up in the tower with her prior to having her youth stolen and Ravenna does seem to eat people quite a rate she she does eat quite a few people in this movie so how has Snow White never spoken to any of the ones across the hall from her before how have they never told her like oh yeah this guy totally got away on that night and is still alive and all of this stuff it just seems a little bit in incredible and there's quite a few kind of weird plot holy things like that in the movie we cut back to Ravenna, who's having a little bath. I like this scene because it's so fucking weird. Uh, but it, it also tells you so much about her character, and that's kind of why I like it. She's having this bath, which is being... It's like a floor-sunken bath. Huge. Four times the size of a regular bath. With milk pouring into it from, like, gargoyle taps. Because they have interior milk plumbing, somehow. While outside, and I don't really know why this is happening at the same time as her bath is being filled, but milk is kind of coming out of a drain in, in the side of, of, of the castle. I guess used milk. Um, and the beggars are like fighting over it and like trying to like pour it into their mouths and trying to get it in buckets. And she comments to her brother, like, remember when we were beggars and we would beg for scraps and aren't I kinder than that? So this kind of shows her immense delusion, for one thing, because obviously this is not kind. But also the, the kind of split between like her wealthy, amazing, powerful palace and these like filthy beggars rolling around in the dirt trying to get milk from her bath. And it just really kind of hammers that point home in that very fairy tale way of like the good and bad, the rich and the poor divide here. Uh, so I really like that scene. Uh, she does get into the bath and then stands up like she's been dipped in like white dulux paint so i don't know what percentage cream this milk is but is it possible to have 300 percent cream milk because that's what it looks like we learn that magic comes at a lofty price that she has to keep absorbing youth in, in order to use her powers because she uses them to like stop a guy's heart and then later looks kind of older which makes me wonder like why would you bother doing that when you could just stab him i realize it kind of helps to occasionally put on a display of, of magical feats to to keep the peasants afraid but occasionally you can just stab people i'm sure that would be fine we then see her consult her magic mirror again and i really like the detail again in this scene of ravenna's magical mirror because it's a great big shiny disc of metal and uh, not glass which fits in kind of well with the aesthetic and i guess kind of the fantasy time period but also it kind of produces this weird mirror man made of like molten metal who stands in front of her and tells her shit but no one else can see it so it kind of strongly implies again that she is very unbalanced and delusional which if the rest of the film were different i would say was kind of an attempt at magical realism but there's a lot of like balls out magic in this movie so you can't really call it that but it is kind of interesting to, to kind of watch her be perceived as 
you know, cracking up by literally everyone around her. She learns the usual that the power that she has is draining away because Snow White's all pretty and of legal age now, and that only Snow White can kill her, and that if she wants to stay young and fresh forever, she has to eat Snow White, essentially, uh, and she'll never have to eat anybody else again. Great! This manages to get completely fucked when her brother, who is skeezy as all hell, tries to attack Snow White in her cell, and Snow White manages to overcome him briefly, locks him in, and escapes by running all the way down the castle and then combat sliding into a sewer grate. So, she, she goes out through the sewer and then plumps out of the sewer onto a cliff and then into the sea and then onto a nearby getaway horse and then she rides away. And doing all of that only gave her like a four second lead on the guys chasing her on horses. It's quite remarkable how quickly they got their shit together. But they chase her into a bad, scary wood, and she falls into some hallucinogenic mushrooms and starts to get visions that ring wraiths are after her, and there's, like, hands in the trees and dead birds on the floor, and shit's nasty, yo. All of this time, she doesn't really say anything, uh, as I've previously said. Um, I mean, they could have given her, like, an imaginary friend. I mean, she's been locked in that tower a long time. Give her someone to talk to. A hand puppet, even. It's like, anything. And then finding it introduced to the Huntsman, who is being beaten up. Like, he's truly having his ass handed to him in a village made of, like, 90% mud and 10% hecklers. Uh, he's then tapped by the skeezy brother of Ravenna, because he knows the dark forest where Ravenna can't go, because she has no powers there, for a reason that is not explained ever. Uh, but the Huntsman's going to help him get there, and Ravenna promises to resurrect his wife from the dead. And he goes from, like, wanting to die to saying, okay, I'll take you into the forest, if only to get my dead wife back. And spoiler alert, in the next four days, somehow, he's going to forget all about his dead wife and fall in love with Snow White instead. Because movies. When they actually get into the woods and find Snow White within three minutes, because she's just been passed out on the ground this whole time, uh, and somehow they just find her, the Ravenna's brother, with his amazing bowl cut, straight up just tells the huntsman that Ravenna can't bring his wife back from the dead, you idiot. So it's like, okay, so you've revealed that you've lied to him, and now you're mocking him to his face, and then you're surprised that he decides not to help you? <laughs> Weird. Uh, but Snow White legs it during this business disagreement, and the Huntsman manages to escape from Bullcut and his guards, and goes after her. I guess just because of reasons. Plot reasons. But she does eventually corner him and get him to like help her because he wants gold and she can probably get him some maybe he's gonna forget about it really soon because of her purity and goodness or whatever but she offers him money in the interim this is when she finally gets to talk because there's someone there to talk to and they don't really say that much but uh he does give her a self-defense lesson teaching her the one move that she'll later use to you know win we cut back to the resistance movement who have done nothing for the last 10 years, including the prince, who I guess is her other love interest, but there's so little going on between the two of them when they meet, they may as well never be in the same room. He's not really doing a huge amount, but a peasant who was at the castle at the time of Snow White's escape and witnessed it tells them that she is still alive. And he also tells them that she's in the dark forest. Despite the fact that last time he saw her, she was sliding into the dark sewer, which leads to the dark cliffs, and he has no way of knowing that she was 
going to the dark forest because she didn't even know where she was going at that point but we'll just ignore that for the time being the huntsman and snow white make it to a sort of hidden village on the riverbank i forget what it's called it doesn't matter because four minutes later it does burn to the ground but they meet a bunch of women who have scars on their faces to make them not beautiful so that ravenna won't eat them which would be a good plan except she definitely eats youth not just beauty so if you're still young she can probably get at least like an appetizer out of you i don't know during the uh burning down of this village because snow white's still being pursued by villains we learn a little bit about ravenna's origin story and it's kind of similar to snow white's it, it mirrors it in in many ways and i find it really interesting this this origin story of her as a witch as a um kind of nemesis basically their village is overrun by i guess the king she was talking about previously because we never really find out what happened to him um but it's being overrun and so her mother takes her to one side and puts three drops of her blood into a bowl of milk and then makes ravenna drink it while she says a special spell and she says that from this moment on ravenna's beauty is going to be her power and her protection so it's where she's drawing all of her power from and i kind of like this because it's like she's a, a woman obviously in this situation her power is not going to be in her like wealth or status because she doesn't have those things in this like time period it's all going to be banked on her appearance who she can get to marry her and how she's going to manipulate people as a woman and that's where her power is going to come from both figuratively and literally in terms of like her ability to move through social statuses and like climb that way and also you know witchcraft so i found that pretty cool uh, and pretty interesting i think the origin story for ravenna changes between this film and the second one and also in that film she no longer has a brother she has a sister so we'll get to that when we review the second movie but this origin story the first of i guess two is at least pretty interesting i uh, liked that then we get half an hour of irrelevant disneyfied bullshit while snow white meets some dwarves who are drunk and flatulent and hilarious because this is where the comedy comes into the movie uh, and also gets to see a bunch of cgi fairies and stuff flying around and she meets this white deer that looks at her and they're like oh yes she's so pure and beautiful hallelujah half an hour of that irrelevant shite and then the deer gets shot because guess what the evil guys caught up to them again there's a couple of fights bullcart tries to take on thor bad move and he gets annihilated ravenna seems to generally be upset by this she feels her brother's death and she is very obviously aged at this point and doesn't seem to have like the magical strength to continue to heal him and preserve his life as she had done previously so he dies which is i guess sad for her she does cry uh, their relationship is kind of weird and icky and ill-defined at best so there you go he's dead counterpoint to this moment where you know she loses her brother the only person she could reasonably be expected to care for we uh on the side of good lose a dwarf we've known for 10 minutes and everyone gets really sad and has like a 10 minute funeral it's like we we only knew him for like the length of brunch uh and also snow white was in the previous scene said to be able to cure all ailments because she was the source of life itself so why isn't she curing him being shot with an arrow it was that one opportunity to do something she just sits there oh well and they then go on like this really long trek back to the resistance movement uh, during which time snow white wanders off into the snowy forest 
and a guy who looks like the prince, but isn't the prince, because it's Charlie's Theron in disguise, gives her an apple, which she takes a bite out of, and then it turns into a sort of hairy sea anemone, and she chokes and falls down. We kind of all knew this part was coming. Ravenna then changes back into herself, and the CGI looks uniquely awful here. Like, everywhere else it looks pretty good still, despite the fact that this film came out, like, nearly ten years ago. Um, but this part looks dreadful. <laughs> it looks like someone tried to recreate Voldemort using Crayola pens on some acetate and just waved it around. It, it, it looks terrible. Uh, but there we go. Ravenna turns into some birds when the Huntsman tries to kill her with an axe and she flies away because she's a witch and she has amazing powers and I love it. She also then arrives back at her palace in, in kind of a puddle of goo, like one of them seabirds that you see after like BP spill a bunch of oil. So things aren't looking great for her but it's fine because during the next battle preparation montage where everyone's like oh snow white's dead let's put her in a side room while we work out how we're gonna free the kingdom ravenna eats like 20 girls and returns to her like pre-aging glory there's like a 20 minute interlude while everyone's sad and thor comes to tell dead snow white about his wife about how he misses her and how she reminds him of her and then he kisses her without her consent which is not cool but she wakes up she doesn't hack up the like bit of apple that's stuck in her throat which was quite sad but she cries a single perfect tear and wakes up and then delivers a very disjointed and not very rousing speech about iron she just comes out of the the building and just stands there and she's like iron in fire and then there's four minutes of just awkward silence and she's like i will be like iron in some ways because I will be forged by the flame of your belief, which will fan from sparks. And I think everyone just cheers because it's too awkward and they want her to shut up. Uh, and then they get on with the battle prep, which for Ravenna is eating the souls of the innocent. And for Snow White is putting on some armour and having someone braid her hair for her. They then launch their attack on the palace because Snow White reveals that she's the only one who can kill Ravenna, which is the missing piece of the puzzle that they've been waiting for all this time. Someone who can actually kill her. Uh, and they have this plan where they send the dwarves through the sewer, haha, comedy, poo joke, up into the castle to open the doors from the inside, sort of mirroring what Ravenna did in the like original palace takeover. And then they're going to let everybody in and they're going to wreck shit up. I feel like... The problem with this movie so far, and this is kind of a problem with the movie overall, is that Snow White is not like a warrior. Snow White is basically just this sort of empty vessel that things happen to. And that's not just like this film, that is the story in general. She's born pretty, which she has no control over. Her stepmother hates her because she's pretty, which she has no control over. She ends up kind of with these dwarves after being attacked. Again, this is very passive. Stuff is just happening to her. And then she eats an apple and she gets woken by True Love's kiss. So a lot of the action happens while she's dead. And then in the Disney version, at least, the queen kind of kills herself with a rock by accident. So the end of the movie tries to make it seem like Snow White's leading this battle charge. She's like planning the battle and she knows that one self-defense move that she learned a while ago. Um... But she's not really coming across as like an action heroine. And I feel like 
to make it a little bit more believable, to make it seem like she's doing more, what they needed to do was have her maybe sneak in back through the sewer instead of the comedy dwarves and have her like sneak through the place and kind of be more instrumental because it feels like everyone else is fighting and dying and she just like runs through the courtyard and into the castle and then gets to Ravenna and then we'll see that that final confrontation doesn't involve a lot of fighting on her part. I feel like it kind of falls down a little bit that their main heroine, they haven't really given her a skill set that she can use. Her only skill set is this ineffable quality of purity, which she doesn't really weaponize at any point. You know, she doesn't like materialize unicorns to fight the dark army or anything like that. She just kind of is there in a figurehead role. But there we go. So everyone gets into the palace. Uh, she goes here and upstairs to go confront Ravenna. She turns out to suck at hand-to-hand combat, while Ravenna is at least, you know, unkillable and also reasonably coordinated. So she fends off every clumsy attempt by Snow White to, like, attack her. Snow White, who's looking a little bit kind of sweaty and annoyed by this point. Ravenna, who is, as always, a pillar of calm and poise. And then she manages to win this fight with the one move that she knows, basically just pulling a sneaky, underhanded stab when Ravenna goes to stab her and then Ravenna kind of withers a little bit and she looks both relieved and also terrified which is an interesting range of emotions which I'll come back to in a minute and then Snow White just says to her you can't have my heart in this like sad kind of way and then Ravenna dies and basically turns into a skeleton like she looked into the fucking lost ark and then there's just a cut as like the rest of the army crumbles and they've won and then we cut to the coronation which is the most awkward scene ever because Snow White's just standing there with the crown on her head holding a branch and there's just like dead silence as everyone just looks at her and then one of the dwarves is like hail to the queen and everyone else goes all right hail to the queen if he hadn't said that what was the plan for the rest of the day did they not rehearse this shit or was everyone just going to stand there staring at her awkwardly and then she looks at the huntsman at the back of the room and he kind of nods awkwardly and leaves. And then we just come back to this like silent room of the coronation where, again, everyone is just standing there, post-hail the queen. Like, is she meant to be walking out of the room? Is she meant to be giving a speech? Should something be happening? Credits. And that's the film. Now, the interesting thing about Ravenna's death is that throughout the movie, you kind of see her being, like, very unhinged. There are some scenes where this is played so close to the line of ridiculousness that it kind of falls over a little bit. Uh, the scene, most notably, where her brother tells her that Snow White escaped. Um, she is balls to the wall, losing it, like, right in front of him, and saying things in a very strange way. But it kind of works, and I really enjoy Charlie's Theron's performance in this movie because it's so over the top. It's that kind of Disney villain, I am on the edge kind of performance. And she repeatedly says things like that she can never stop. She can never be stopped. And she has to keep doing this, and she cannot break the spell. She has to get Snow White. But it's unclear because obviously Snow White symbolises both her salvation and her destruction. And maybe within the context of this story, those two things are the same because she has all this pressure on her 
to keep going. She is at the top of where she can be. She is beautiful and powerful. Nothing can stop her. But at the same time, it takes an enormous toll on her to keep this level of power and beauty. This kind of upkeep that she has to like keep getting new kingdoms and sacrificing more people and more people just to stay where she is. That it might almost be a relief for her to finally die and not have to do that anymore. And I think one of the reasons that I like the movie so much is it's kind of this parable on female power, how you can either be like this pure, untouched uh, sort of figurehead that people could believe in and rally around, but that can never seem, you know, human or imperfect. And in the end, she doesn't get to be with the person that she's fallen in love with. Or you can be this sort of person who relies on their looks and their sex appeal and have the unforgiving toll of that on you until there is a point where you just can't keep going with it anymore. Which I think is like an interesting message to tell through witchcraft and quite an original one. And that's, I guess, why I like this film so much and why I like Ravenna so much as a character is because she has a very simple origin and a very kind of simple drive to her character but it's one that is layers and layers and layers and layers deep when you actually start looking at it and is definitely different to other portrayals of the same character in Snow White. Uh, for example if you look at like the Disney Snow White the kind of tragedy there is not so much that she's unable to perform to this role within the male gaze anymore and she's losing her power because of that. It's more that in trying to attain something that is greater than she already has, which is a lot because she's a fucking queen and quite pretty, she ends up destroying herself completely. She first of all turns herself into this like hag, basically, uh, and loses all of her beauty and everything that she already had in trying to attain more and then accidentally kills herself by crushing herself with that big rock. Uh, when she's trying to kill Snow White. So it's like, that's a story of trying to become greater and losing everything you already have and destroying yourself in the process. And I think this story is very different to that and is definitely the most interesting thing to me about this movie. Like the bits where it's not about Ravenna, where it's just about Snow White, I feel like we've seen that movie before. It's very similar to a lot of other kind of Snow White interpretations there is a, a similar animated movie about the wizard of oz where dorothy is like the flower of oz and she's bringing like light and life back to the world it's always on at four o'clock in the morning on christmas day so check that out next time that's on but it's a kind of a similar story whereas i feel like ravenna's is more original and more interesting and I was really excited to see her back in the second movie, even though we'll get into that and why that timeline is kind of weird and doesn't make a lot of sense. I hope you've enjoyed this review and this look at Snow White and the Huntsman. If you'd like to recommend any other fantasy action movies or any other movies at all, to be honest, drop them into the recommendations uh, as a comment on the YouTube version of the podcast, or you can send them by email, which I very rarely check, or you can get in touch on Twitter at WitchFix. Uh, and in the meantime, I'll see you in the next one. Bye!